Let's go to the Father in prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thank you so much for each and every one of my brothers and sisters. Thank you for all of our friends and guests. Father, we are, are wonderfully made in your image. And Lord, we pray that we will all bring you much glory in the lives you have given us to live. We pray today you fill us up with your Holy Spirit. Lord, fill me up with your Spirit that I can share the testimony of your word uh, with those of us who are here today. And that will inspire us to give you glory, to bring you glory, and to be more like Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. So uh, the title of my sermon today is Power in Christ. And of course, I don't get to preach that often, so I've got two hours worth of notes here that we're going to condense in about 15 minutes. Amen. So I wanted to accomplish a number of things in this sermon. Hopefully I'll accomplish at least some of them. One, I want to inspire you in Christ Jesus, like to encourage you in Christ Jesus, strengthen you in Christ Jesus, convict you, equip you, and shepherd you. In Christ Jesus. Those are my goals today. I'm not ambitious at all. I'm, you know, I've struggled with my self-esteem. It's really low. After thinking and praying about today, I just decided, you know what, I'm going to trust in God and do my best. You know, we live on the west side of Los Angeles, and pretty much, if you're west of the 110, you're on the west side. I'm sorry, no, west of 405, but we live in a really blessed area, and we have a lot of blessings that I think sometimes very easy for us to overlook. And blessings also have the corresponding challenges that go with them. And so in our congregation, in our community, we have a number of these things, and I thought I'd mention a few. Marriage is an incredible blessing, amen? But it has challenges. Being a parent is an incredible blessing, but it has challenges. Being a Christian is an incredible blessing. But it has challenges. Being single is an incredible blessing, but it has challenges. Being young is an incredible blessing, but it has challenges, including old people who smell funny and want to kiss you that you don't know. Living in a country with abundant food is an incredible blessing, but it has some challenges. Life in Los Angeles, incredible blessing, has some challenges. Having a job, incredible blessing, but it has some challenges. And then there are other things that happen in life that are just straight challenging, that make it difficult to see the blessing in it. Poverty, that's challenging. Hard to see a blessing in poverty. Unemployment. Challenging. Hard to see a blessing. I heard Michael Keyes. Broken foot. Challenging. Hard to see a blessing in it. Cancer. Challenging. Hard to see a blessing. Drug addiction. Challenging. Hard to see blessings in that. Here's my point. Life is upon us all. We're at different phases, at different times, different stages. My wife and I, we were empty nesters. My daughter graduated from college, and she messed up our nest by moving back in. But we love our daughter. And so it's been great having her back, but that has some challenges. In the midst of life that happens to us all, 
We are called to be faithful disciples of Jesus Christ throughout all those various stages, blessings, and challenges. Are you with me? Now, at some points in life, depending on where you are, it's much easier to retreat into yourself and your own world than it is to be outwardly focused and to give to the spiritual family and to give to those who need to know Christ. Are you with me? You know, I'll just share briefly. Uh, when I found out five years ago I had kidney cancer and um, had surgery, it was a really challenging time. Hard to see any blessings in it. Then what really hurt me, I would have, and I think I've said this before, this is nothing new. I've had people come to me to encourage me to tell me every single cancer horror story they knew to, to help me. And I'm laying on my couch thinking about dying, and they're telling me all these stories. And I realize, you know, the blessing here is, in the midst of my suffering, I need to minister to them. That was new for me. There is a period in time without confessing all of his sin, my son lost his mind. He lost his mind. Uh, it was like someone dropped a bomb in our house. We were devastated as a family. It was really, really hard. You know what God had us do during that time? Lead the church for 13 months, part-time. In the midst of a crisis, he had us lead. Talk about an oxymoron. What do you do when you're at your lowest point? Serve. What do you do when you're at your highest point? Serve. Get the picture. And I think what happens to us as we go through our different phases, if we don't have really close friends, you know, I've shared this story, you'll hear as I get older, I keep sharing the same stories. Young people, bear with me, it's, it's a sign of aging. It's okay. You know, uh, I can't even remember these sisters' names, and I should, I'm embarrassed, because I always conf confuse them. I know one is Diane Simbal, Tess Tinoco, there are two other sisters, uh, Mary Carl, who got married, moved to the Bay Area, and there's one other sister. These are my four Filipina sisters, and I think half of them are dentists, right? And so, you know, I'm laying there in the house, so they come to see me. They bring their grandmother, who doesn't speak a word of English, but she loved them, and they loved her, and she knew they loved me. So she came, and I still get choked up, and prayed over me. I didn't understand what she was saying. But I felt her love, and I felt the love of Christ in a time of suffering. You with me? So here's what I think happens to us when we go through difficult times. I think there's a natural tendency to withdraw because we're in pain, and it just doesn't feel good. How am I going to help anybody? My life is a mess, Lord. I, I can't help anybody now. But I want to remind us of a few basic things about Christianity this morning. Number one, we have the power of Christ to give in the midst of crisis. We have the power of Christ to be able to give in the midst of a crisis. Go over to Colossians chapter 1. <clears throat> and I want to inspire you because sometimes I think we forget how powerful we are. I think we take for granted how much we have in Christ Jesus. We're awesome. Not because of us, but because of Christ living in us. Do you feel awesome this morning? Do you feel buff in the Lord this morning? 
I mean, you should. You should feel great. There we go, hard-fighting soldier, victory in Jesus. All those old-school church Christ songs, people clapping their hands. Hey, there's a message in those songs. Colossians 1, verse 9. This is the Apostle Paul talking to the church in Colossae. <clears throat> For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you might have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. <clears throat> For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Any sinners in the house? Okay, amen, a few. I know some of y'all lying down, praise your hand, but it's good. Amen. So, we know we're sinners. Anybody excited about being redeemed? from sin? Does that excite you? Who in here believes that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead? See, if you call yourself Christian, you have to believe that. If you don't believe that, hey, we still love you, but that is a cornerstone of Christianity. If God had the power to raise Jesus Christ from the dead, can he fix situations around us in our lives? Does he have power? Can he do it? Let me share a few scriptures with you. Romans chapter 1 Verse 16, bear with me, 1, 16. Okay, here we go. This is Paul talking again. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God for salvation, for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. It's the power of salvation, brothers and sisters. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 9. Second Corinthians 9. Oh, goodness, I'm sorry. 2 Corinthians 12, forgive me. Verse 9. We'll start in seven. This is Paul talking again. This is Paul in the midst of suffering. <clears throat> to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardship and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Have you ever prayed for something and God said no? You prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. Then you prayed some more and God said no. How did you respond? Well, the natural tendency, at least for me, being honest, when God tells me no, I stick my lip out, I start pouting, 
I start grumbling spiritually. I want to sit in the back with that sister way back there. I ain't going to mess with her, though. I want to sit in the back row, back there with them people in the back. Yeah, I'm going to talk about y'all. Don't let me preach. Y'all need to come down here with the rest of us. Mike Key's got a broke foot. He down here. No excuse. Amen. My tendency is to pout and get upset with the Lord and... My faith is wounded, and I start moping, and I don't want to spend extra time with my brothers and sisters because I got to work, or I got this, or my kids, or I got that going on. How did Paul, what did Paul say? He said, or rather, Christ told Paul, my grace is sufficient for my power is made perfect in weakness. You know, a lot of times the reason you have the weakness you have so Christ can be perfected in you How do you know that God did not allow you to suffer what you're suffering so you have the testimony and example to talk to someone else who has the exact same suffering, who needs to borrow a little bit of your faith so they can know Jesus Christ as Lord? We've got to be reminded of these things. This is nothing new. I'm not saying anything new to anybody here. You guys have heard this all before, right? Oftentimes in Christianity, it's not lack of knowledge. It's lack of doing. We need help. We need encouragement. We need inspiration. We need to feel like we're not the only sinner in the room. We need to feel like we're not the only person that's got challenges in their marriage. We need to feel like we're not the only one bickering and fighting with our wife and our kids. Or we're the only one that struggles with depression or fears purity challenges or maybe has a substance abuse issue. You know what? That's called life. We're not the only one overwhelmed by how much work we have to do. That's called life. Christ's power is made perfect in our weakness. We have the power of Christ. We've got to tap into it. Romans chapter 4. Does this make sense? Y'all kind of quiet out there. Amen. Amen. I want to inspire y'all too. Somebody say they're bored. Amen. I can't break dance if it didn't help you, though. No, I would hurt myself, believe me. Those days are long gone for me. But if you want, I can, I can roller skate, though, but I can't dance anymore. Here we go. Romans 4:18. <clears throat> Against all hope, Abraham and hope believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was dead. Let me stop there and give you the picture. Abraham's 100. His wife Sarah's 90. They never had a kid. They'd been praying, praying, praying. God had told them no. And then one day God said, okay, you're going to have a kid. Now Abraham's 100, his wife's 90. So what would you think? Impossible, right? Verse 20. Yet Abraham did not waver through unbelief (coughs) regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave God glory, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he promised. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. All I'm doing is going through, by the way, a really good Bible study to do. Look up the word power in an exhaustive concordance where it lists all the places in the Bible the word power appears. This may even be better. Make a list of all your sins and weaknesses and flaws and all the things that are dogging you in your life. Make that list first. Then go find online concordance all the places the word power appears in the Bible. Read those verses and then go back and look at your other list and see how you feel. I bet you'll feel encouraged that you can overcome some of those things that have held you in captive in different areas of your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 
Verse 1, I love this. This is talking about me. I feel this more and more. <coughs> Treasure in jars of clay. I could stop right there. Jar of clay, that's me. Maybe jello sometime, but definitely clay. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we don't lose heart. Rather, we renounce secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, so they can't see the light of the gospel of the glory of God, Christ, who is the image of God. For we don't preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. That's a long way to say, guys, we're messed up, but in Christ we have it all. We're pretty awesome. <laughs> Verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Now I'm going to add a little bit here. We are beat down. Anybody ever feel beat down? No. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. I could go on, but I won't. There's so many other passages. Write this one down, Ephesians 6 through 10. I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our schemes are not against flesh and blood, but against the powers, principles, principalities, and rulers, and spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You guys with me? It says we can be strengthened in his power, guys. We have power. We have power in our lives. You know, Christ's power has been made manifest in my life in many ways. One is in my marriage. Um, and God did this several ways. He did it through a study of his word, absolutely, of course, through his Holy Spirit, of course, through the blood of Jesus. He also used Alan Gloria Bear to help me. He used Kent Brand to tell me to quit being a tyrant and let my wife come home and not have to work when we had little babies. Oh, we need the money. He's like, brother, you're a tyrant. You'll be fine without the money. Your kids need a mother. I had to have somebody love me enough to tell me that because that was a new paradigm for me. But it helped me. It was Christ's power in my life from other people. My career. You know, I went through a lot of changes in my career. When we got out of the ministry, that was really tough. Uh, but my sister, Leah Wallace, helped me find a job. That was the power of Christ working in my life. My little, uh, anybody know Matt Angela Vellel in here? Anybody know Matt? None of you guys know Matt. But when you see Matt, you can tell him I talked about him. He's about, I don't know, five foot one. Indian brother, a little short, kind of roly-poly. His, his shoes turn up at the toes. He looks like a little elf. He's a great brother. He's one of my best friends in the world. I love Matt. You know, when I go through hard times, Matt will just tell me the truth in love. He'll get in my face, say, Chuck, you know what? I love you, brother, but you need to repent. Joe Eads. Joe Eads said, Chuck, you work too much. Spend more time with your kids. Go on vacation. Took him to the Grand Canyon. Had a great time. All these things were Christ's power working in my life through all of you. You know, I have David Jackson in my life and AJ in my life, and we confess our sins to one another, and we help one another. 
grow spiritually and overcome challenges and weaknesses that we have. Um, my finances, my wife and I, we make good money and guess what? We spend it. <laughs> and we spend more than we make because we like spending money. It feels good. I'm one of the few men that loves to shop. I love shopping. I can tell you where to buy the best suits in L.A. Garment, Garment District, Broadway and Olympic, fourth floor. Last Friday of the month, that's where you go get a good suit. Amen. You know, I needed Crown Financial to help me get a plan to be more responsible in my finances. Anybody got that Crown Financial? Remember that thing got laid out, the little chart with the six steps? I got mine on the wall. Now, I'm not going to tell you where I am. I'm too embarrassed. But let's say I'm way close to this side of the chart as opposed to this side. You know what? It's helping me learn the power of Christ in my life. Personal Bible studies. Anthony is helping me get more effective in my personal Bible studies. What's my point? You've got to find your help and your power and your inspiration in Christ. Everybody's not wired like me. You have to find what inspires you. You've got to take responsibility for that, though. But you have to find your inspiration. You have to find what strengthens you. You have to find where the power of Christ is made manifest in your life so you can walk as Jesus did. You with me? You know, my wife and, and kids used to tease me. I could eat nails for breakfast and I'd be happy. You know, that's how I'm wired. I'm what you call a black lining person. If there's a silver cloud, I will find a black lining in that cloud. As opposed to most people find a silver lining in a black cloud, I will find a black lining in a silver cloud. And be happy. You've got to find your inspiration. Do a Bible study on power. Make a checklist. Get a plan. Seek some advice. Help other people. You with me? Here's my second point. Last hour. Here we go. So my first point was we have the power of Christ. My second point is Christianity is a one another religion founded in love. Christianity is a one another religion founded in love. Some of these are notes from the leadership training class that, we, that, I, that I did a while ago that we're doing. Uh, so if it's redundant, you've heard these before, bear with me. Got three scriptures on love I'm going to go through quickly I want to share with you. <clears throat> First one is John 3.16. Recite it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Anybody ever seen that football? That's the football scripture? So God loved us so much he did what? He gave. Gave his only son. That's how much God loved us. John 13, 34 and 35. Say it with me. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Last but not least, I'll just read this one. It's a little longer. <clears throat> this is Matthew 22, beginning in verse 34. Hearing that Jesus has silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied. What did Jesus say, y'all? Come on. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and some versions, with all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. 
Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Why did I talk so much about love? Why is love commanded? Why did God set us a great example of love? It's the hardest thing to do. It's very hard to love people. Uh, how many married people we have? Let me just, let me just see what, what I'm dealing with here. Okay, we got about half married. How many single people? That would be you guys. All you guys over here, raise your hands. You're all single. None of y'all married. Okay, good. Okay, man, thanks. So I want to talk about relationships and love in the context of relationships. I want to talk about being single first. Now, I'm not an expert because it's been a while, but once upon a time, I was single. Now, when I was working with singles in the ministry, I saw their biggest challenge was loving one another. You ever go out to eat with a group of singles for like for dinner where you have 10, 12 people and the check comes up short? Okay, how do you respond to that? Well, of course, it's a little annoying, but in all honesty, a very loving thing to do would be to talk to the brother sister who came up short. But in love, right? Oh, I didn't know they were going to add 18% gratuity plus 8.25% tax. It said $10.99. I, I put in $11. <laughs> I thought I was good. Or you live with roommates. Anybody singles, you ever have a roommate who just, some dots, they just didn't connect? Maybe it was a cleanliness dot that just didn't connect. Maybe it was a food dot that just didn't connect. Maybe they would get up at all hours of the night and wake everybody else up or they had some other uh, habits that we won't discuss publicly. Those are opportunities for us to love one another. That's what Jesus talked about. You know, for me now, marriage is really easy. Marriage tend to fight. Do people around you think you have a great marriage, an okay marriage, or a not-so-good marriage? What would they say? You know, love can solve all of those things. And that's why I talk about love so much. My point about Christianity being one another and founded in love, we've got to grow in our love for one another. Ephesians talks about speaking the truth in love. I've been accused of using that scripture too much. I had to ask myself, why do I use that too much? You you know what I realized? Oftentimes, we don't speak the truth in love to one another. We got attitudes and misgivings and feelings about the person sitting right next to us that we don't say. That's not very loving. If I smell funny, you should tell me. If I'm a little obnoxious, You should tell me. If I'm not very kind, you should tell me. Now, don't, like, rub it in and and make me feel like the lowest person to ever walk the planet. But, But you need to tell me. If I miss a lot of church, would you call me? If I just, like, don't come. And I always have a good reason, right? Let's see. Okay, this week I'm working. Next week I'm tired. Um... The week after that, I had to go help my daughter move. Then the next week, my sister's in town. And then my best friend's cousin, sister, uncle had a baby. You know, everybody misses church once in a while for good reason, right? If I miss church habitually, would you talk to me about it? Or would you just let Satan take me out one day? Because you know it'll happen, right? It's just a matter of time before Satan takes me out. 
If I'm depressed, would you help me? If you saw my needs, I appreciate Peter's uh, contribution. If you saw I had needs, would you be like the little boy and give to help me? Or would you just let me struggle? If I was on drugs, would you insist that I go to rehab? Not encourage me, insist that I go. Would you do an intervention for me? Is it, is it loving to do an intervention for somebody on drugs? Is that loving? Sometimes you got to intervene. Somebody with a bad marriage, is it loving to intervene? What about somebody, their kids are out of control, running up and down the aisle, screaming and hollering? Is it loving to intervene? Do we intervene? Or do we just kind of watch them? I don't have time to do this, but there's a book by Gordon Ferguson called The Power of Discipling. One of the chapters lists about 60 scriptures on how we need to treat one another. I have a few practicals on one another. One, humility. When you go, what do they say? When you point a finger at somebody else, what's that old saying? Yeah, three pointing back at you. Brothers and sisters, we are all sinners who fall short of the glory of God. None of us has arrived. So when we have to go help someone, it's important that we really go in humility. It helps oftentimes if you talk about your own sins. You know, we're called to have the attitude of Christ Jesus. <clears throat> what did Christ Jesus do for us? What did he do? How did he die? Died on the cross. He was tortured, right? So let me ask you, is being honest and dealing with your spouse worse than being crucified? Well, um, don't go there. Is being honest with a single friend worse than being crucified? Is being encouraged, corrected, admonished, or rebuked in the area where others feel we need to grow worse than being crucified? Is having a meaningful conversation with a dear friend worse than being crucified? Right? It's not worse than being crucified, right? It, it may feel like it at the time, but trust me, it's not worse. But we've got to be humble with each other. You know, sometimes what stops us, though, we know that our friends have been injured in the past. We know that our non-Christian friend has been injured by life. And so we don't want to injure them. Ever, ever be reluctant to say something because you don't want to hurt somebody? You know, that's how, I mean, I, I, you know, you know the job that God keeps giving me. And every time I feel like, uh, and maybe this is not the best example, but I'll say it anyway. I kind of feel like Michael Corleone, you know, in The Godfather when he said, every time I try to get out, they keep pulling me back in. I try to run from people's problems. And they find me. And they pull me back in. And so there I am, and they're telling me, I'm thinking, Lord, I don't want to say anything. Can't, can't they just go home? I don't want to say this. But, you know, the reason that I've try really hard to just speak the truth in love is because I've been so very blessed by God. Do you consider yourself blessed by God? It's important we speak the truth in love. Christianity is a one another religion founded in love. First John 16 verse 18, you don't have to turn there, but what it says, it says perfect love does what? I heard somebody does what? Drives out fear. Perfect love drives out fear. Yes, I'm a teacher. I can't help it. I'm sorry. There'll be a quiz afterwards. Perfect love drives out fear. 
We got to love one another enough not to be afraid. You know, what? what's my point with all this? Go have a conversation with somebody you know you need to have. But when you go, go with humility and confess your sins as well. Nothing like confessing your sins to somebody else when you got to go talk to them to, to give you the right perspective. Because they might turn around and say, well, you did that. I'm not so bad. So it gives you the balance. You with me? <clears throat> so my first point was... We have the power of Christ. And very simply, we've got to find our own inspiration. Most people are not wired like me. I get it. Find what inspires you. My second point is Christianity is a one another religion founded in love. Go have a meaningful talk with someone in love and in humility. Last but not least, turn with me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In order to help us prepare our hearts and minds for communion... I'm going to share this scripture. How you guys doing out there? I'm trying to keep my energy high and pretend that I'm in my 30s. Okay, my third point to prepare our hearts and minds for communion. <clears throat> Christ crucified and the power and wisdom of God. Christ crucified and the power and wisdom of God. I'm going to start in verse 17. Bear with me. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. For Christ did not send me to baptize, again this is Paul, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. See, when we preach, it's not about us. It's really about the cross of Christ and the power of God. Verse 18, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. <clears throat> A stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greek, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Here's my point. We have power to overcome. We have power. Don't retreat into your life. Don't retreat from giving. Don't retreat from serving. Don't retreat from persecution. Don't retreat from hardship. Don't retreat from challenge. We have the power to overcome all these things through the cross of Jesus Christ. Every week we take communion to remember Jesus Christ crucified. You with me? That's the source of our power. So I want to encourage you today. 
Whatever it is in your life, when you examine your heart as we prepare to take communion, whatever it is that would hold you back in your own life personally, whatever would stop you from being inspired, whatever would stop you from feeling like you're all that in a bag of chips in Christ Jesus, I want to encourage you to surrender that to the foot of the cross, to tap into his power, to believe, to trust, to hope, and to live a life that will bring God glory. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for, again, my brothers and sisters and our friends and guests. I pray that individually we will find some inspiration. We will dig down and find what makes a difference for us. Father, we will remember that we are together, one another in love, in accordance with your will. And Father, that we'll tap into the power of the cross to enable us to live a life that will bring you glory. Strengthen us and forgive our sins. We pray you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.